This is an interview we did with Josh of Raging Review, a podcast about the raging Cajuns of University of Louisiana at Lafayette. There was a bit of a technical difficulty at the beginning, so we kind of start a couple minutes into the interview. So apologize for that, but give it a listen. A lot of good information about the game coming up this weekend against the raging Cajuns. Thanks for listening. Interesting in the Sun Belt. And I would have said over the past 15 years or so, he's right. I wasn't very interested in, in the league, but I can tell you what I was doing on Saturday and the prior Saturday. I was looking for Sunbelt games. Uh, I, you know, there's certain people have different opinions on whether they should root for conference mates. I can tell you from our point of view, rooting for conference mates, uh, it's, it's, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. You want to be seen as a league that puts out a quality product, no matter what institution is playing. Uh, when Texas State goes out and becomes relevant, that helps us. When, when, when Georgia State goes out and beats Tennessee, that helps my program. So why the hell would I not root for those guys? It's the whole um, SEC mantra. You know, you, you may uh, hate those guys uh, when you're playing them that week, but when they're not playing you, you want them to go undefeated. 100%. 100%. And I think more people are starting to understand that. I, I, see, I see some, I don't want to call it brethren love, but, you know, conference mate love, whatever, you, you know, whatever cute little term you want to come up for it. But App State has kind of set the tone in the league, and I've been out to Boone twice. And I've ended up making some good relationships with those guys out. Now, look, when we play, it's nasty and ugly, and we get after each other, and that's great. That's football. But if App State goes to, like, say, a Marshall on Saturday, I hope they beat the hell out of Marshall. <laughs> yeah, because you guys got them coming up in just a couple of weeks yourselves, don't you? Yeah, October the 15th, we're going to Boone again. Feels like, like five out of the last seven times we're going to go to Boone. Uh, but, look. We're trying to lobby game day to get out there. That started on social that. media today. Yeah. yeah. All that on social media trying to push for that. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it could happen if the two teams don't go well, keep going well. But uh, obviously our guys are going to do everything we can to uh, make that game look a little bit less important after this weekend. Sure. <laughs> I wanted to talk about sure, – sure, uh, sure. I want to talk about the Raging Cajuns, talking about how great the – how much better the Sun Belt's gotten. And obviously the Cajuns have been uh, the – Pretty much, you know, the one or two, but really the one team out there in the West, Arkansas State, you know, has their their uh, uh, moments of grandeur as well. Uh, Tim, my, one of my co-hosts on the show, he said, uh, you know, the Cajuns experienced a quick ascent to the conference. What do you think is the single biggest factor that allowed for that to happen? What um, what helped you guys turn that corner? It's, it's very simple for us. Culture. And we talk about it all the time. You guys know it's probably one of the main social media tools that we've used out there, but Billy Napier walked in the door and he started preaching culture. And when you first start hearing that term, uh, you, you like it. You like it because you know that it's important, but you don't really fully understand what it means. And it's taken three years. Uh, you guys know, I mean, it's been well documented that HUD, Coach Hudspeth left on not the best of terms, uh, you know, and, and that's unfortunate because he really built – something here. He, he made our, he made our city believe that we could win in football. He made us believe that we could be relevant and he sold the program. I mean, in 2016 or 15, I can't remember exactly, but we had a, a Sunbelt record in attendance for home games. It was like 30,000 people for home games. That was our attendance. You know I mean? That that's, that's an accomplishment for a football coach and it's an accomplishment for anybody in an administration, but 
he specifically came in here and single-handedly changed that for Lafayette. When, when Billy came in, uh, we're, we're, we're on the downswing. We have a lot of boosters that were disgruntled. We had some fans that were losing the belief. He came back in here and he did it the right way. He didn't cheerlead. He didn't give you uh, the used car salesman spiel. He went to work. He recruited good players. He developed good players. He recruited good coaches. He let coaches do their job. And this is the result. I mean, it's a process like he preaches. It's a process. And the process is, it's really showing itself now. So I, I don't know. And, and look, the funny thing is, is that he really did overachieve in year two. We, we did not expect 11 wins last year. We expected to be improved. But when you improve off of a seven-win season, 11 is a dramatic improvement. You know, every, every win above eight is a major improvement, as you know. So, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a shock to us. But, you know, this year we, we felt like we could be good. We felt like we'd have an opportunity to go on the road and win. We didn't think we were going to be playing out Iowa State. We thought we were going to have an opportunity against Missouri. So that was a bit of a change. But uh, I don't think a lot of people are, are too surprised by the victory. I, I, I think we're surprised by how we felt and how incredible it was. But the actual W is uh, – I, I think it was somewhat expected down here. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, I feel like the Lafayette fans that I've come across with – come across uh, – well, you know what I'm saying uh, – have come across with – uh, as well as what I see on social media, they are a rabid fan base that believes in their team, which is uh, great to have as a fan base because, you know, uh, with so many schools that have kind of started football not so long ago in this league, you don't have a lot of that confidence or that even uh, arrogance, if you want to say that, about their programs. So I kind of knew going into that game, I, I knew it was going to be competitive. I really felt like uh, uh, Cajuns were going to put a – good show on there. I did not expect the second half of that game to be all Cajun football. I mean, there was no scores by Iowa State whatsoever at all. Everything went the Cajun's way. It was um, really that nail in the coffin began right there at the beginning of the second half. Yeah, the the, the huge surprise for us, I, I don't know if it was a huge surprise, but a surprise for people around the program was, you know, we knew we could score or we thought we could score. We thought we could have some success against Iowa State uh, and their defense. Well, as you know, that's why they play the games. Their defense actually shut down our running game, made Levi uh, be a lot more conservative with the exception of one long pass over the top. But uh, like I said, the big surprise was Patrick Tony's defense. Uh, that defense, uh, they, they had the audacity to play man coverage against a Big 12 offense, a top three Big 12 offense. And in the second half of that game, and now look, Napier is the type of coach that he's, they make great adjustments at halftime. But that second half, Cajun defense absolutely locked down the corners on the outside. The defensive line was disruptive. They stunted. They, they were quick. I don't think Iowa State was ready for the speed of a Sunbelt team. I, I think they completely overlooked the fact that we were going to be uh, athletic and fast. And the defense took that game over. Now, look, everybody looks to the special teams, which is obviously huge in the game. But the defense really broke the back of Iowa State. And look, 24 to nothing, 24 to nothing, 24 unanswered points after Iowa State scored that last touchdown. I mean, they're a top 25 program. They were picked by some to win the Big 12. That, that's unheard of. That, that, that's a, I know we're in a weird space with this COVID stuff, and things are up in the air with uh, spring ball and fall ball and everything. But, I mean, that's, that's insane. They had 99 yards total offense in the second half. 
you know, uh, it, it's when you say it out loud, David, it's, <laughs> it's still kind of hard to process, man. It really is. And it could have been uh, a lot more. I mean, there it was not a perfect game on the Cajun side because you did have a couple of missed field goals and they switched sure. kickers. And uh, so has that gotten worked out? Do you guys know what's going to happen with the kicking game now? Are you sticking with uh, the new guy or? Well, Kenny Almendaris has been in the program for, I think this is his third year, might be his fourth. He's the guy that subbed for Nate Snyder. Nate Snyder is a transfer from Indiana. Uh, he was the long, the, the kickoff guy, kickoff specialist for Indiana. He was not their place kicker. We took him after losing Stevie Arteague, who was in the program for what felt like eight years. Uh, we, we took Nate, and we thought Nate could be a good uh, addition to the team and, and, you know, kick for us. I think Nate I think Nate actually suffered from uh, a, sh- a shaky snap and a shaky hold on that first kick. And you know, man, the kicking game is what it is. If you miss a kick from 27 yards, <laughs> it's, it's a head if – you, if you're a head case at all, which I don't think Nate is, but look, it's your first collegiate attempt, that, that next one's going to be shaky no matter what happens. So I think we still have a ton of, of confidence in Nate. I certainly do. Uh, I, I expect him to – I expect to see him as your place kicker uh, on Saturday against the Panthers. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, that's definitely something that everyone will be watching, but – um, <laughs> that's only three points at a time. You know, it's those touchdowns that scares everybody. That's one thing that was interesting, though. That return game is where 14 points the game came from. You only had one passing touchdown and only one rushing touchdown. That rushing touchdown was at the end of the game when literally Iowa State gave up on the game. They weren't even using timeouts to run to, uh, to give themselves more time at the end of the game. They'd given up, and I guess uh, your guy breaks away for a nine-yard, you know, easy, easy touchdown there in the red zone. Yeah, I, I've not been able to really talk to anybody outside of the Cajun Nation. So, what did you did you watch the game? I did, I did, I, I did watch the entire game. What did you make of that? Because I can tell you, I turned to my wife and I said, "Matt Campbell's got two timeouts. There's five minutes left in the game, and they're down ten. What's he doing?" It was absolutely unprecedented. Uh, I mean, I'm a fan of football, college football, but uh, I watch specifically Georgia State games, and then I'll just keep on whatever the other games are on, so I don't pay as close attention to everything else. I really haven't seen something like that. When you've got a a Power 5 program playing a G5 down by 10 with that much time in those timeouts, it's like the guys were gassed, the coach knew it, and said – Let's just get out of here, lick our wounds, and go home. It was a very, very strange thing, and the the announcers even said the same thing. They've given up. Iowa State just gave up in that game. Yeah, Golick said it. He said they they, they quit. And and look, I think there's something to it. You know, maybe it was a conditioning issue. Maybe there was more to it that we don't know. That's fine. You have a Big 12 offense that scores 36 points a game. You're down 10 with five minutes to go. I've seen, I mean, untold amount of comebacks. 10, you know, 10 points, five minutes, that's an eternity. Uh, that, that, was, that was really bizarre. Put your faith in your players. Give them the opportunity to make some big plays and see what happens. If you lose, you lose. But it don't – I mean, like I said, it just was like almost like they, they gave up. It's, um, it was really, really strange. So Yeah, just kept the two timeouts in his pocket. And I agree with what you said. You know, let your players have a fighting chance. Maybe the team was just utterly defeated. You know, and that's not me being an arrogant fan because – Far be it from me. We've been terrible forever. Uh, that's not at all what I, be, I mean by that. But why Why on earth? You know, I, I just uh, – it's still something that I think about ever since the game ended. Yeah, yeah. Well, onward to next week against Georgia State. You guys have had some uh, really, really nasty weather down there this week. Uh, hopefully uh, everyone's okay. 
has that impacted any kind of potential practicing or preparation for the team? Well, we're, we've been spared so far, and it looks like that. Uh, I think is it a depress? I think it's a hurricane now. Yes, it's, it looks like it's moving east, and it actually might impact you guys. Yeah, that's so, what we're worried about. It kind of it looks like it's slowed down quite a bit, and now the projections of it being past here before game time now it looks like we may have some rain uh, Saturday morning. Look, that's an that's an easy fix. We just move right back into the Georgia Dome. <laughs> <laughs> well, not the Georgia Dome. That thing is a, a parking lot now, but uh, right. Mercedes that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, but as far uh, as preparation down here, we, uh, you know, we have that indoor practice facility, so we're going to be fine. We're going to be able to get in our practice and our preparation. Uh, it shouldn't affect us. I, I don't think unless we wake up tomorrow and it's a cat five and it's coming right up, you know, the Vermilion Bay. I mean, that happens well, you saw it with, uh, with the Laura there, I think, I think just mutated into a monster overnight. So, so, so far pretty much on schedule now, as far as COVID-related issues, I think we're good so far. I know it's only Tuesday, but I think we're in good shape. Um, and we probably won't find out until Saturday morning anyway. So, Yeah, yeah. And I don't think the coaches are being you – know, showing any reason why they're going to, you know, just uh, tell anybody about that anytime earlier than they really need to or anything. So uh, hopefully it's not like right. uh, the Georgia Southern guys where they wake up on Saturday morning and they, they're down 33 players that day. Man, was that something? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I got to say well, like McBride for Texas State. I mean, my goodness, the guy goes out and electrifies the college football world in a, in a game that they were expected to lose by a million. He comes out and plays well. And then I mean, I forget what the line was for the UTSA game, but somebody lost a ton of money on that game because <laughs> McBride was out. Look, Vic came out and played well. I'm not, you know, I'm not taking any way from Tyler, but I, I would have been pissed if I'm a better there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's no love lost between Georgia State and Georgia, Georgia Southern fans. So, of course, I was actively watching that game, pulling for the Camels the entire time. So. Sure. Sure. So, uh, you know, I didn't, watch, I didn't get to watch any of the game. I was actually on the road, but 33 players. I mean, my God, do you even take the game at that point? Yeah. You see postponements going all over the all over the country. Like maybe you consider sitting out. I don't know. Oh, if they would have sat out, that would have been the biggest joke coming uh, out of uh, this podcast for this week. I'll tell you that much. So <laughs> that, that is true. That would have been a hit PR-wise. That's true. <laughs> so, so I know this is kind of a loaded question asking, but uh, you know, obviously Lafayette looks good. They, they were balanced on both sides of the ball, able to get yards when they wanted to get yards. Uh, if you were on the Panthers staff trying to uh, uh, game plan for this week, what weaknesses do you think that uh, Cajuns have that we would try to exploit? Where is that spot we need to – focus on well I can tell you this we have a solid tight ends group uh, when you look at them on paper they should be able to produce however don't have a ton of snaps under their belt because of injuries Neil Johnson is still out if I if I I'm pretty sure that's correct that Neil Johnson because he missed Iowa State and I'm pretty sure he'll be out this week so Neil Johnson is somebody we really like but he doesn't have a ton of snaps under his belt same for Johnny Lumpkin who did not have a good game in, at Iowa State. He, uh, he, he got in the game often. He, just there was something off. It just something was not, uh, I don't know, you call it rust, you can call it inexperience, whatever. He's got a ton of talent. The coaching staff raves about him, but he just doesn't have the snaps. So tight ends, inexperience, I, I think that there's an, if you want to exploit that position group, I think that there's an opportunity there. Um, as you know, we're replacing a ton on the offensive line. We have two NFL 
uh, offensive lineman that, that left us. Now we have plenty of talent and plenty of depth, but again, some of those guys don't have a lot of game time under their belt. They have some, but not a ton. So perhaps that I thought in the first half of Iowa state, they could have played better. Now, I mean, my God, it's Iowa State. They got NFL guys on the defensive line, so maybe that has a lot to do with it. But either way, if you just look at it on paper, I think there's some opportunity there for an opposing uh, defensive coordinator. I also can tell you that wide receiver, we're depleted. I mean, it's cluster injuries all over the wide receiver core. We're down five of our top six receivers. We also had another injury in the Iowa State game to Dante Fleming. Our phenom wide receiver is a freshman. Uh, we don't know the status on him, won't know until tomorrow. So, you look, there's a, there's a lot of guys that are very young that are getting some time uh, by necessity. So, offensively, that's where we're at. Uh, defensively, man, I think we're really stout. And, and I thought we'd be really stout going into the season. We have a new starter in Ashland, Washington, number 16 from the Iowa State game. You probably recognize him. He was an absolute monster on the outside cornerback corner. I think he's the number two corner because Eric Garrard has been here for three years in a program and he's pretty much locked down that CB one position. So um, perhaps maybe AJ, but I really like AJ a lot. He's six one about one ninety. I think he's got NFL potential and he absolutely shut down Hutchinson last week. So maybe there, but really I'll be honest with you, David, I, I really think that that might be the only spot defensively, that I would consider uh, perhaps a weak spot. But, but like, if you listen to any of our pods, I, I've been raving about A.J. for quite <laughs> some time. So, outside of A.J., we do have a couple of defensive lineman injuries. Uh, we're missing uh, a young guy named Nelson that we really like, very, very athletic, but no, not really any games experience. Same for uh, another guy, Wilson – excuse me, Wilkerson, sophomore, been in the program a couple of years – Really like him a lot, really athletic, can move for a big man, but he's not, been, he's not going to play, I don't think, on Saturday. We will get our uh, junior, I'm pretty sure he's a junior this year, Zion Hill back, uh, highly regarded, probably the first or second best defensive lineman that we have on the roster. We'll get him back. Uh, we'll see. You know, obviously, he's, this is going to be his first game being out last week. So, you know, perhaps on the defensive line, depending – you know, I, I think you've got a pretty decent offensive line coming back yourself. So I think I think that might be an interesting battle to watch. But, yeah, we, uh, we have some guys come back on the offensive line that should be strong. But big question for all our fans are, you know, we're obviously replacing, you know, a legendary quarterback in Dan Ellington and then also our sure. leading, leading rusher, Trey Barnett. So we have just as many question marks as, as anybody else has about what we're going to expect to see out of our offensive performance this year. Uh, defense can only go up. For us, so uh, but we do have some some veterans on the squad now, so uh, we're expecting. Yeah, you got experience, and, and Billy Napier called Georgia State the number one improved team in our league. That came straight from his mouth just just this past week. So I'm interested in the matchup. I, I, I say this all the time, and I know it, it's become that little cliche to say you got to go one and zero every week, and it is annoying and stupid, and I understand that, but. I want to look at the opponent in front of us and the opponent in front of us is an improved football team. And we don't know, I, you know, from a fan standpoint, I don't know what my team's going to do after they have a historic win. I don't know what they're, how they're going to react to success. Learning how to win is just as important as, as learning how to deal with losses. So there's a lot in the air. I'm definitely afraid of Georgia state. I say that all the time. I've been saying that since Saturday. I am definitely afraid of this game. I'm definitely afraid. 
Well, as a uh, as an Atlanta Falcons fan, I know what you feel like. I mean, you know, we'll sit there and we'll we'll knock off uh, a top ranked team, and the next week we'll go and lose to the Browns. So I'm used to that. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different with Georgia State because we've struggled for so long. But this is actually the fifth meeting of the Panthers and the Cajuns, and so far the ball's yep. gone y'all's way every single time. There there were two games where it was just a, a two point difference two or three point difference. But other than that, the other two games have been uh, two touchdown games. And this one is 16 points in favor of the Cajuns. So uh, the, the Panthers definitely have the work out for them this week. But, uh, you know, like you said, any given Saturday, we never know what's going to happen. That's why they play the game. Uh, I'm not going to say that uh, I'm all in on the Panthers this week, but I would not be surprised by a much closer game than what the Vegas is predicting. And, and hopefully at the end of the game, we've got more points than uh, the Cajuns do. Well, and another thing is that Sean Elliott is like, you know, bag of tricks, number one. And then number two, you never know what to expect. Like, I, I was reading – I forget what it was. Maybe it was Athlon Sports that was predicting Georgia State to be the worst team in the league last year. And the very first game they played, they beat freaking Tennessee. <laughs> so, no, he, he's – you know, he is an unpredictable guy. And, and that uh, – look, he's done a ton for you guys' program. And I, I think that's great. I want Georgia State to be – just as good as you guys do, just except, you know, when, when we play you. You know, I don't want you to beat me, but <laughs> I, I want all of our teams to elevate and continue to get better. But, uh, again, I am I am worried about the game. There's there's plenty of unknowns, enough for me to be uncomfortable. Um, but And I wish I could be there, but I'm not going to be able to make the trip this time. Uh, but I do remember the Arbuckle game. I was scared when that happened. So maybe that's why I have that, that Georgia State lingering fear. Uh, I think that was in 2016 or 15. 2123 at 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 that was Cajun 20, Field. I'm pretty sure. Uh, 2015 was the 2123 game in uh, in the Georgia Dome. I actually did that was it. notes ahead of me today, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Nick Arbuckle. I mean, we we've had some in our short history. We've had some legendary quarterbacks, and uh, and Nick is one of those. He's out the uh, the starting quarterback for one of the CFL teams right now, who's not playing. So this is a bummer for him for this year. But yeah, I yeah, and and Will Lutz too. Well, that's down there in New Orleans kicking uh, like crazy. That's right. That's right. He was on – I'm pretty sure he was on that team. Uh, yeah, I think he, he would have been. He would have been on that team, yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Saints legend, man. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a knockdown dragout game. I, I don't like that it's a noon game. You like noon games? I mean, it's 11 a.m. for you down there. It depends. You know, at home it gets so damn hot in the middle of the sun. We do. We played uh, – Boise State came to town uh, twenty. 17 I'm pretty sure uh season opener and I swear to god it was 115 degrees on the field I, I it it people were passing out and fainting they were stopping the game it was ridiculous oh wow so yeah. so so no but like if it's in November it's great you know if it's in November it's not freezing to death you know it's nighttime and it gets you know we have that wet cold so as soon as the sun goes down it's it's 32 but it feels like five <laughs> so it just depends on what part of the season it is but yeah no nah, I'm excited you know it's a good time slot for the Sun Belt and if we put on a good show and you made a comment about the spread now I used to be a better but that kind of gotten away from it I'm a family man now yeah I gotta be careful so uh but if I were betting if I were betting this week I would take Georgia State in the points I would definitely take the points yeah, I don't disagree with you on that one. I think Georgia State's history is so uh, random. And just like we've seen in the, the past four meetings, we either lose by two or three or, you know, it's 14, to a two-touchdown difference. You never really can tell. It's, it makes it really frustrating to be a Georgia State fan sometimes because you really have no idea from week to week, year to year, 
what kind of product you're gonna have on there on the field. So it kind of makes for us fans that have been around since the beginning, it makes those big wins like that Tennessee win uh, so much more sweeter and so much uh, better and everything. So hopefully we can pull off that first uh, knockoff of the Cajuns, but uh, you play the game, we'll find out around three o'clock, 3.30 what's, uh, what the score is. Look, I- I'm thrilled to have football. I'm thrilled to talk about it. You know, it's a little bit of bringing back normalcy to our lives, man. It's something to look forward to and, and, and just kind of embracing this weird existence that we live in. But look, before we go, man, I really want to commend your, your podcast and I hope you guys continue to grow. I hope your fan base really embraces you guys. You do a good job. I am a huge fan of the format of, look, let's kick back, open a beer. Let's talk about the team that we love. It, it's kind of fallen to guys like you and I to sit back and do those type of things. Because like we mentioned earlier, other people, it's just, it doesn't mean shit to them, really. It's just, it's just a job. For us, it's not a job. You know, I have a family. I have a career. I have all these other things. We make time to do this, and we do it because we love our teams and our schools and our cities. So I think it's so important to continue to push forward. I'm, I'm, again, I like you guys. I like the way you do it. I would uh, One point of clarity for your, your partner over there that uh, I can't remember the name. I, I, I listened to a few episodes, but I can't remember the name. But you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Sounds like a little bit of a Louisiana hater. And that's fine. I like Georgia. I love Augusta. Been there a couple of times. Big fan of Buckhead. Big fan of the Metropolis area down in uh, well, in Upper Atlanta. Big fan. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just, just uh, yeah. want to remind him. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll definitely make sure that the message gets gets passed along. So, <laughs> well, uh, Look, let him know. Just let him know that the the the, the College of Lafayette is in Pennsylvania, and that. <laughs> On Saturday, you guys are going to play the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, the number 19th ranked team in college football. Yeah, it's only the second time we've had a ranked team come into uh, play us here. Last year was uh, 25th ranked App State, did not go our way any uh, well at all. But that was also coming off the week that Dan Ellington had torn his hamstring and still played the game. So I couldn't believe he even suited up in that game. <laughs> well, that's the big question is like, uh, how bad is our backup if we've got to play a guy with the torn hamstring? And that backup, Quad Brown, is who we're going to be starting uh, this Saturday. So we'll find out. <laughs> how, wait, I'll ask you for my own personal pleasure. Uh, what, how much confidence do you have in Quad? And, and, and outside of that, what kind of confidence do you guys have in your leadership? Do you think, it's, you think the athletic program is headed in the right way? Absolutely. I think that uh, you've been, you were singing Coach Elliott's praises and I'm right there with you. I think he's done a lot. I mean, along the same lines of the culture of turning that culture around and teaching these guys how to win the joys of winning. And I think Dan Ellington was part of that as well, because Dan actually stayed on and he is now an assistant coach to the team. So he's still in that locker room. He's still teaching, no these guys, leading these guys. So I feel good about it. Uh, we knew we were going to have a quarterback battle going into this season. Uh, it was really going to be between Quad Brown and Jamil Muhammad, who is a transfer from Vanderbilt. Uh, both are redshirt freshmen. Quad's the only one that got any experience last year. It wasn't the best show out there, but I don't think that he really uh, expected to be out there. From what I can tell, from what I've heard, he's learned quite a bit. It was a legit quarterback battle out there, and he is the one that came out with uh, being able to read the defenses better, be able to make the plays better, and move that ball. So uh, I, I feel pretty confident with Coach Elliott's selection of him as a starting quarterback, but uh, I will not be surprised if even if this Saturday, if you don't see a little Jamil Muhammad out there in the field as well, mixing things up, trying to confuse the defense. Well, good. And look, uh, Quad's a big guy. He's like 6'5", 200. So, you know, 
he's gonna he's gonna go out there be an intimidating figure on the field. You know, a lot of times it's psychological. Sometimes players will play for a guy like that just because they're big in stature, and maybe that's something. You know, you never know what can make a difference in a college kid's mind on the field. Like the reason why I love Dan Ellington so much was because you suit up with a major injury like that, you're a warrior, dude, and people are gonna play for you. People are gonna go to battle with you like that. So you know, just that one intangible for your coaching staff. That sounds great that he stayed on the coach. I mean, he's probably got the most respect in the room. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And he's just a, such a, a good guy, just a genuine, good-hearted guy. And uh, he always wanted to coach. There wasn't any talk about him trying to uh, possibly go to the next level. He wanted to coach. That's what he wanted to come back and do. And I just love that they were able to find a spot for him on the team because I know it's only going to make our team better this season and, and going forward. So, okay, all right. Man. Well, thanks a lot, Josh, for being here. I really do appreciate it. Um, hopefully, we uh, this is not the first time the two teams face each other this season. Maybe we'll see you down there in Lafayette or back here in Atlanta for a, a Sunbelt Championship game. Hey, shit, I'm in. Let's do it. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me on. And listen, when basketball rolls around, give me a holler. We'll do it again. Uh, sounds good, man. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Josh. Okay, bud. Thank you.